Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, podcast fans, and welcome to another episode of Meta, the podcast about podcasts. My name is Peter Wells, and I apologize for taking the week off last week. It was a bit of a stressful one watching the US election, but that is hopefully done and dusted now, and we can get back to the regular episodes, which is two a week. So... Uh, this is the Tuesday edition, and I think the regular schedule will be Tuesdays and Fridays for anyone playing at home. Anyway, anyway, we're going to move straight to the guests right now, and I'm speaking with Rachel Fountain and Ian Walker from the brand new ABC podcast called Days Like These. If you listen to This American Life or Reply All or Heavyweight, any of those kind of really beautiful, beautifully scripted non-fiction shows, then uh, days like these will feel immediately familiar to you. Uh, it is great to see an Australian show like this coming out, and it's great that they've, they've planned for many episodes in the future. I had a great time chatting to Rachel and Ian. I hope you enjoyed it as well. I, I've, just, I've listened to the first two episodes now, um, and it really struck me as as... Something that that I felt, why hasn't this been done before? Like this is, uh, it feels very much, and, and I know this is, you probably hate hearing this, uh, but it feels like an Australian, this American life in a, in a very different way, very different. Like it, it's no, in no way just a facsimile or whatever, but but it it feels like that's the kind of story you're trying to tell. Is, is this what what you're going for? Yeah, yeah, we don't hate that at all, actually, Peter, because for us, we we sort of did look at all of those big podcasts and go, look, why isn't this being done in Australia? The origin story of it is sort of long and intricate and wild. But, yeah, as long as the stories have a real kernel of hope and are just beautifully told, and I think Ian will probably go into a little bit about how we make sure that that, that happens, then, yeah, This American Life isn't bad. We also had in mind shows like Death, Sex and Money. Okay, yep. So, yeah, yeah, and also really, really well done uh, Australian shows like Conversations. Obviously, this is kind of like a little sister show for Conversations and um, certainly mm-hmm. our lead reporter, Pat Abud, has jumped on and sort of filled in for Richard a few times and also shows like Australian Story. But Ian's got a Ian's got kind of a, a good a good little succinct way of saying it. <laughs> I, th- I think, um, Peter, we've looked at all the canon, right? Um, all the shows that we've loved as podcasters sort of growing up in the business, um, like Love, um, Love and Radio, also shows like Heavyweight, you know, This American Life for sure. I mean, we can all kind of claim in some way to be the children of Ira Glass, <laughs> you know, in that we've the tenets of um, really amazing narrative non-fiction storytelling, you know, what what mm. goes into the thought that goes into a, a, a This American Life story is amazing and, and detailed and their kill rate for their stories is something like, I believe, 50 to 70%. So we can't actually afford, you know, the 30 people in, the, in that. No, we can't. Teams. Yeah. <laughs> and we can't afford to kill 70% of our stories. We'd, we'd get kicked out of our, our job. So um, <laughs> but what we did was actually build in some of those, some of that thinking into the front end of our story selection. 
So we've 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 made up, you know, based on some of those story making tenants, a matrix of what we needed in every story. And if it didn't fit this matrix of like about five things to be checkboxed, we weren't going to do the story. And there are things like having a, a, a protagonist, having high stakes, having what we called a swerve, mm. which was not, not necessarily a twist, but something that took you away from where you thought the story was heading and in a different direction before the end. So essentially we're trying to create the best short-form storytelling podcasts that we can. And, and yeah, we, we do aspire to be like the Australian This American Life. We, we aspire for this show to be ongoing and the ABCs play in this market into the future. So, yeah, we've got high hopes. Yeah, well, well, that brings me to my my next question then, which is, I can imagine when you when you're doing a show like this that you record a whole bunch and bank them up, so you've got a lot of material ready to go. How many shows have you so far recorded, and and how did you decide which were going to be the shows that you you wanted to open up with and set the tone with? It's a good question, and like the EPs in us are just like never enough. We never have enough recorded. Um, if, if you let me kind of digress a bit, basically what we did with this show that was a little bit different was we always at audio studios do a kind of market testing or we do work out what the audience gap is. You know, it's really simple. It's human-centred design, but we want to make shows that give people something that they need, that they don't already get. With this show, Kelly Reardon, um, who was the commissioning editor, kind of put us through or gave us the freedom to do like a really extensive development period. So what that meant is that Ian and I got to kind of go searching for these amazing producers and reporters from like right around right around the country and, and then work out how this was going to work. So we had a development period where we tried and tested the story matrix, where we kind of got a bunch of pilots up as well. So we had a few in the can when we got commissioned because just doing development doesn't mean you're going to get commissioned at the ABC. We still had to like really prove, you know, prove our worth. So we basically, we did this this intensive development period with an incredible team of producers and reporters and then brought a few of those stories to the mix. And the majority of the stories that were done in that development pe- period will make it into the first seasons. So this is going to be, it's an ongoing concern for us as well. So the, 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 the answer of how many do we have banked up, just never enough, but we are working into the future because it's a 40-week-a-year uh, prospect. I think we want to be far enough ahead of our publishing schedule that we're we're not panicked. You know, we're not making mm-hmm. shows week to week. We really don't want that. Mm. But but also what we want in the mix is to be able to respond to some sort of stories that are kind of in the zeitgeist. And we'll, this will never be a newsy show, but but it will respond to human stories about the cost of things that are happening in our times. You know, the show was born in, in COVID, right, and we've, we've tailor-made made it to hopefully address the needs of the audience at this time, but also to respond to some of the things that are in, in the zeitgeist. Um, we've got an amazing story in season one about the consequences of conspiracy theorists and, and how that's affecting families and mm. breaking down families. And it's a really personal tale. It's kind of a tricky story and that the main the main protagonist is sort of outing her mum. You know, we, we took a lot of care with that, but it, it kind of, we know that it's happening a lot to a lot of families and and we've done it in a way that doesn't seem like, I think, a news, a news and current affairs story. It's much more 
human and personal journey than that. Yeah, and relatable. Yeah, right. that, that's exactly it. So, so that idea of the zeitgeist, it's so that's been really interesting for us, Peter, because we're kind of balancing that need to have incredibly high quality, the kill rate, you know, all that sort of stuff against having a bank of stories and also having the chance to be reactive to, to things that are happening in the zeitgeist. Um, that conspiracy story theory, which is one that Alex Lolbach uh, brought to us and, and uh, has reported, it was really interesting sitting around our team meetings, virtual team meetings for that one, because everybody reacted to the story really viscerally in different ways. Because you, you might not have a mum who's a conspiracy theorist, but you might have a crazy uncle who is, and you might have family members who, you know, you rock up at Christmas and you know you've got to avoid the topic of climate change or or, so, or something else just to get through the day. So, yeah, I think, and some, and sometimes that's when we know that the story is hitting as well. We're like we when we all have a visceral response to it and a really good conversation and lots of questions. Uh, the other day, so you know, I am in Melbourne. I am in lockdown, uh, but we're still allowed to go to the cafe. And um, I, I, I was at my regular cafe, and I was waiting, and and then I heard the owner slash barista talking about uh, how the virus was a hoax. And I thought, oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> time to, time to change your favourite coffee shop. I know. It was just like you, you make good coffee and you're right next to the playground. Oh, that's a shame. That happened to my buddy at the barber in Melbourne as well. He was like he was sitting there getting his hair cut by the barber and the barber started talking about how COVID was a hoax and tied into climate change. He was like, no. That's terrifying. Oh. This guy's got a knife to your neck, right? That's- so, so you mentioned uh, just now, and also on the at the end of the first episode, a, a lovely shout out to Kelly, who obviously was running the the ABC Studios podcasting unit there for a very long time. Is this like her legacy production? Is this the the last uh, show that she shepherded through? That's a pretty nice yeah. way to think about it. Yeah. What What was it like working with her? Because I mean, it seems like I, I can't think of an. Uh, another Australian who has had such a great run uh, in podcasting, producing such amazing shows. Yeah, well... Kelly's a powerhouse, right? Yeah. <laughs> we do owe her a lot for building the, the audio studios from from the ground up pretty much into this amazing digital-first best practice unit within the ABC. You know, we're still sort of working out why things changed <laughs> with that, but we... You know, we do owe her a great debt for professionalising the whole prospect, pulling together a whole bunch of different genres and and selecting some amazing executive producers and just keeping up the uh, massively strong quality control across the whole slate. I don't know, what do you think, Rach? What's, what's Kelly's most wonderful legacy to us? Yeah, to, I think that Days Like These is pretty much... I know that it's it's a show that she was really... Like she felt really torn about leaving, but days like these would be, I guess, the biggest legacy. Also, just the fact that I think so. Ian and I, you and you and I, Ian, have had such an incredible time working on this show together. Whereas before that, we we the audio studios team is really pretty tight, even though we're geographically disparate. But I think we we were pretty we were, we were very much in our own little genres before that. So, you know, I might be working on the Pineapple Project or uh, or Mindfully or whatever. Ian, you would be absolutely, you know, ears deep in the eleventh or in Snowball. And although we came together and we'd we'd talk every every couple of days, we had never really 
across the genres like that to get in and muck in on a big production. And that's, I think that's probably one of Kelly's legacies that she kind of saw COVID coming really. And when she knew we were all going to be working from home, she made sure we were all set up and said, basically wanted us to kind of get together and make this show. And I, for one, have had a bloody ball, Ian. Yeah, it's been a, a great ride. But there's there's something even more important, I think, for the for the building of the um, capacity within the ABC. Like the reason that I was so fiercely for this show was to build out the capacity within our production, without within our producers mm. and our EP stable for narrative nonfiction in all sort in in another form. So you know, in one in one way, days like this, it's like a, a training ground for new producers to learn the tenets of narrative non-fiction storytelling, right? And then the idea is that they can they can get capacity and move on to our longer-form shows like The 11th and, you know, whatever the, the next thing we do with Unravel is. And so so that we're building on our investment, you know, in, in, mm-hmm. in teams like mm-hmm. together for things like Unravel. And so we can make, you know, we can continue making the, the best shows in the business, right, on, in that area. The, the cross-genre thing is, is quite interesting um, because obviously the, the, the show is going to change quite dramatically week to week. Are you pulling in, say, technical reporters and, and health reporters and, and all of the other people in, in the ABC studio stables to, to tell stories that they might not get a chance to tell in on their regular shows well if we can paint a picture for you so we we are we are pulling people in from out from right throughout the ABC and this is something that you'll have to probably slow us down about because Ian and I get really excited about but the idea of days like these is that it's modular so the, this the core of the show and the show format is is so incredibly well developed and and you know we have such a strong story matrix and we know what the show is that we can bring on guest reporters we can bring on we bring on a new supervising producer for each story for each reporter so we might have somebody fabulous like Claudia Taranto come from Radio National you know to supervising supervise a couple of stories we have the other EPs like uh, Justine Kelly or uh, Tom or Tom Wright and Andrew Davies come on and supervising produce a couple of stories so the idea is that not only will we be able to bring in a true diversity of stories, so people are really seeing them, seeing and hearing themselves in these stories, that this becomes a training ground. And, yeah, people who have that one story in them that they haven't been able to tell as part of, you know, the technology um, bureau or as part of ABC Broom can come in, tell that story, and while they're with us, learn all those all those. T- tips and tricks and the actual trade of, of narrative nonfiction. It's um, it's actually tricky these kind of shows where you're offering different story every week. It's not it's different than selling a serialized story where you know, you know, people are set up to know the story or they know that you're going on a journey. You know, it's a bit more lucky dip. It's a bit more like the radio, like you might, you know, do when you when you switch on to Radio National, you may not know what you're gonna get. But the way, yeah, the thing is about these stories is we have to build up the trust in the audience that we're going to deliver them, like, the best variety pack. You know, we're going to be the kind of Kellogg family serial assortment pack <laughs> of, of, of audio podcasting, right? We're going to have Cocoa Pops one day. That's awesome. But then Fruit Loops the next week, and then you're going to get some Nutrigrain on, on the one week three. You know, you won't know which one's coming, but you'll know it's really 
hi, you know, it's going to rot your teeth. <laughs> in, it is. That is so good. It's so, it's so true. Like, okay, so in without giving you spoilers, because all of the episodes do have a swerve and you and, and are really surprising. You know, you've already heard the couple of episodes where you've got Spencer's superpower, which I'm not going to drop spoilers for in case somebody listening mm, hasn't. No, no, no. I, I wasn't going to. Yeah. And then, you know, you've got a story about, you know, that long night at Malakuta, the night before New Year's um, last year. And then we have stories. We genuinely have a rock star who goes on this wild journey, like a well-known rock star. We have, um, you know, we have a kind of a a CIA-style romp through a suburban shopping centre. We've got this incredible story that takes us to Lightning Ridge and inside the world, which is kooky as of um, the fossil prospectors there and the opal miners. Uh, you know, we've got a plane crash story. We've got, I just am so, like, you know, a story that takes us inside a bikey gang as well. It's And, and also we've got ones about love rats. Like this is seriously, it is, it is like that Kellogg's box that Ian's talking about. So I think production-wise that has actually been pretty... I don't know about you, Ian, but I think it's been it's been pretty heavy on production without because we're not just telling one long arc of a story. So you, in some ways, it's really freeing to have a different narrative each week, but in some ways, yeah. it also means that you start from scratch and you need to you know pan out the story beats and do all of that stuff and put every single story against the the matrix. And we're quite brutal with it. I think you can tell that Rachel and I like so, so super excited about this whole. <laughs> I mean, we've already got nearly 10 stories in the can and season one is almost dusted and we're into season two, but we're, all, we're already feeling like the, the terror and the, the horrifying nature of what we've already created, like the high bar that we've created for season one, because um, that was built in a development phase where we had even a bit more time. Now we've got to do it even quicker, but now we've got to make sure we don't repeat ourselves. Mm. And now we've got mm. new reporters who, who are starting from day one. You know, just today we've got a new bunch of reporters in the door. But we've got these um, incredible mainstays too, working with, with uh, you know, such an incredible host. Elizabeth Coolas is just one of the mm. super bright talents of Aussie audio. Patrick Abood, our lead reporter, is, is probably the best story um, maker in the country at this point and you know his stars just super rising and then these other producers we've brought in from other parts of the audio studios alex lowback does an incredible job of you know telling human stories sam wicks from double j is is our kind of rock and roll guy and he's brought these incredible stories in and then we're, we're starting to reach out to um our regional partners you know in, in abc our, our newest reporters from abc canberra and so we're trying also to get over time, we're going to get guest reporters in who'll just do one story for us, and they might be they might be newer to the game, or they've got some incredible story from their from their patch, you know. Or that it might be a diversity player, you know. That means that we we're, we're making sure we're not, you know, the whitest show in the land. We're going to try and try and do everything <laughs> that we can yeah, yeah, yeah. to be um, have a really diverse game of um, stories that we select. And also so that we can get the best stories, you know, because the the best stories aren't always just happening in Sydney and Melbourne. Like Australia is full of these wild and beautiful, incredible yarns that just because of the news cycle or because of distance you normally can't get out to always get. That's the, half the beauty of this show. Like we made this show to be fully remote and it, I mean, the engineers curse us every day because we're trying to, they're constantly cleaning up audio and room tone and whatever, but 
actually we've made a real feature of it. Like we can speak to people or we can appoint a reporter from somewhere that normally you just wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't be able to get them. It's, it's a real privilege. So, so you said it was, it was built remote only. So was that because of the, uh, the looming threat of COVID or, or was this, was this something you just wanted to, to make sure you would be able to pull in those stories from all over the place? I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash achieve today. COVID was the catalyst for it. And we we kind of got together as well. Our audio studios got together when everyone, everything was first really kicking off, which I guess is like March. And mm-hmm. in Australia was when we were all kind of working from home. And actually the audio studios team has been working from home since then. We are working remotely, I should say. So we couldn't get into studios, whereas before that, Everything of ours was done in a studio and, and, you know, conversations famously wouldn't even do remote link hookups. They would have to be in the same studio for the majority of their interviews. And when a show like that, which is the most downloaded podcast, probably the best storytelling podcast, which we aspire to um, in, in Australia, if not the world, when a show like that can be innovative and work out how to go remote and to have, you know, uh, Fidler in his attic studio doing stuff on the phone. We were like, well, what can we do here? We, we feel like as the podcast house within the national broadcaster, it's genuinely, it's genuinely like we need to be doing something here. We need to be making something that gives people a bit of hope. So we, COVID was the catalyst. And then instead of just kind of going totally knee jerk and pump, pumping something out that we were like, okay, let's look at the data. Let's look what people want. And what it showed us was that they were moving away, they were moving away quite quickly after the initial um, upswing towards news podcasts and they were moving away from that and they wanted, you know, escapism, they wanted um, nostalgia and to feel safe and, you know, warm and, and somewhere in there was kind of where the whole thing was born. So that's, that's kind of the, rem- the remoteness of it was an accident but then became a real feature of it. I think we were lucky that we didn't jump straight out of the stable, which is what was initially mm. intended as a as a response to COVID. You know, back we in almost the did of the lockdown. <laughs> we, we, we nearly did, and fortunately, there was there were hurdles in the way of that happening. And I'm really glad that did, that didn't happen. Before, that that happened so that we had some time to create a kind of evergreen response. So we we've, we've created a format that's really. Evergreen's going to keep going, but it's module enough to respond to the times as they change. So we've uh, a lot of those really fantastic um, shows we talked about earlier on, that shows like Reply or, or Radio Lab or 99% Invisible, they, mm. they have a very simple prospect, but they can kind of go anywhere within that prospect. And I think mm-hmm. we've really come up with a, with a, uh, a format that, that excels at that. It's going to be, re- be really, really um, good for us. In 
some ways it's scary, that idea of the kind of licorice all sorts or the Kellogg's cereal box of the of the show because the tone of the episodes, each episode is really different, you know. You're going from kind of a very sweary, you know, very ser- very intense rock, rock musician kind of yarn with, you know, lots of drones and that really kind of heavy, intense, dense sound design to, you know, Monique Bowley has a story uh, that she's done for us, which is just the f- – every time I hear it, I absolutely cack myself. It's like a funny, light, hopeful kind of beautifully told romp really. So it, it's scary, like Ian was saying, but I think that having our host, Ellie, link it all together, we think that we – yeah, we think that that's going to be something that people will keep coming back to. We've come up with the magic glue, you know, and we think we've got the, the, the right elements that will, you know, stitch it all together. <laughs> I think a lot of people don't know about, about Ellie Kulas is that, that, you know, she was the front, um, the host of 7am podcast, of course, here in Australia. But before that, she worked at some really amazing shows in the US, did really, she was like an Australian, an Aussie producer done good in New York, doing, working on shows like Gimlet, um, working on Reply All in Planet Money for NPR, like all all of these, you know, really amazing storytelling shows um, where she learned her chops. So her heart was really in this, and I knew that when I when I when we approached mm-hmm. her, um, and she's been more than thrilled. And um, yeah, you can check that out with her. But um, <laughs> I would, I'd happily say that you know she, we've given her um, <laughs> one of the best um, jobs that she's she's had because she's. She's playing all of her cards in this show, which is fantastic. Yeah, she is just yeah her 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 nous and her she just has that X factor. Like there's something about Ellie that just makes you want to be around her, and she's so considerate and hardworking and funny, and that. The, you know when you when you assemble a team and you put them together and you think, gosh, I hope this goes well because these are all some incredible personalities. Watching Ali Coolis and Pat Abud work together and watching their story brains, it is like quicksilver. It's like a chemical reaction. It's it's one of my favourite things of the week is any time that we do a story meeting or a listening party or our, we have a weekly whip on Wednesdays and that is just like neurons firing and story ideas and all of these beats. It's pretty cool. Peter, you should come to one. <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to. Look, I mean, uh, you know, I'm ridiculously fucking jealous of uh, of the work you guys do and uh, the studio that you have over there. I think it's, 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 it's actually, like I said to you earlier, Rachel, it, it is just it starts to get annoying after a certain point. Like, well, you know, there are other people out there trying to make fucking podcasts and then you guys show up and create this fucking great thing that, that puts us all to shame and then I have to write about it. <laughs> the, thing, the thing you don't get, Peter, is um, we could bore you for hours about the, uh, the downside of Auntie and it's a really it's a bleak story. We're all, you know, we're all up to the gills with our... Um, you know, beta blockers and our uppers and downers and our <laughs> alcohol abuse stories. So, you know, we'll mate, about that mate, I, time. I just, I just got made redundant from higher ed. Don't tell me about fucking <laughs> <laughs> government funded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I was going to ask him. Um, you know, I've over the over the last couple of years of writing this uh, column, uh, your name has come up a couple of times. You seem to you've you've worked on clearly a whole bunch of different shows uh, from the studios. What, what what do you find is some of the really significant differences in in, in plotting and uh, planning and producing a podcast versus standard radio? Um, it's a good question, it, and it's 
seems to have been debated for years and there's, there's still some pockets of the radio world that don't seem to get that subtle difference. But in, in the main part is intimacy. The second part is that you've got an opt-in audience who are very, very, very discerning and really quick to judge. So you've got to get them, you know, in, in 40 seconds and promise them something that delivers. I guess the third thing is that, you know, we're, it's very competitive and, you know, those those shows that I mentioned before, they've set such a high, high bar for the shows that we do that we're competing in a, in a world market, right? We, you know, there's no use saying that, oh, because make shows in Australia that they're going to be like, you know, a, a, a fifth as good. What, what would the use of that be? So, you know, we're... We're bringing together a lot of smarts that we've collected over time, and we've all worked in radio. We know we know about radio, but what what we need to to do with podcasting is design a product that that brings a whole lot of things together with a with a an, a, a promise to the audience that we deliver on. And there are things that we spend a lot of time on, especially like like this show, where we've got a, a theme song that that's really out of this, you know, a kick-ass rock and roll song that gets stuck in your head. That's How good are the Gooch Palms? To do before the Gooch Palms given us a present there. Um, you know, the, the podcast artwork, we agonise about that stuff. We have some of the biggest fights we ever have with our design department about... Um, I was going to ask about that, actually. <laughs> yeah, because... Yeah, uh, well, I can imagine it was, and not, not to, you know, tell tales out of school, but I remember uh, speaking with someone at the ABC who, who said that there was a, uh, like every, every artwork had to fit a certain kind of mold, shall we say? Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a whole lot of things about working with a big, a big organization like the ABC. They have brand rules. They have rules about colors and fonts and things that don't particularly make much sense in the (laughs) podcast space actually, but we, we kind of have to, um, kind of work within this framework unless you want to get your head punched in really hard which this this was and this artwork what i have to say like normally i I was yeah i have to say this was a multi-day rolling brawl (laughs) remotely (laughs) but thankfully you know this is this is the plan b this was the second idea right the first idea we almost died in the ditch about but it actually worked This, this we were kind of forced into a situation where we had to come up with a plan b and you know this idea of having an iconic kind of temporary tattoo, something you could that was as silly as you could stamp on your on your shoulder, was was kind of like the really base idea. It was based on you know classic seventies love tattoos, and and we we really wanted the heart of the show to be central mm. to the idea. And then then we thought, oh, you know, there were roses in the original one, and we thought, no, 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 we want this to be completely Aussie as well. So we thought. Wow, I, I did a search on, you know, like Australian flora tattoos and I found that people had tattooed their legs with wattle and shit. It looks great. <laughs> and it was just amazing. And I sent that to the to the designer with the heart and they came back with what we've got. And we, we and then, you know, there was several back and forth. We wanted the banner. We didn't want the ABC strap. We wanted something that looked like a logo unto itself. And we got all that and, God almighty, Rachel and I just had the biggest 
sort of dance <laughs> ever when we've landed on that. Yeah, yeah, and that's actually the, things the, make us happy, right? It, it's it's the little it little wins, and I have to say that the designer is Claire Darcy who did our design, and she's amazing, she yeah. is she's behind a couple of the really really great ABC podcast tiles, actually. Uh, Fierce Girls, all I know, is one of hers. All of the Unravel sets came by Claire. She's great. And I, I love the Yeah Nah song. Um, that, that, what, what, a, <laughs> what a great – is that in every episode? Yeah, yeah. So actually, and, and Ian, props to you for finding this as well because we wanted – we were really inspired by Heavyweight. You know, that was something that we kept going back to and just the fact that it's the only song – I don't need to tell you this, Peter, but it's the only one that has lyrics. Like it's pretty much the only podcast theme song that isn't super production-y uh, and it just mm. sounded so – uh, scrappy and Australian and there's something unfinished and so just like, oh, we're not going to take ourselves too seriously. Like we, we, we'll take the listener seriously. We're going to give them the best fucking story we possibly can. But we're not going to – but we want this to feel really unique and Australian and not just like some rip-off of, rip of This American Life. There was a funny story about finding, um, about finding the song in that we started with um, the title of the show is, is – a total inspired by the Lennon song, right? Um, nobody told me. Yes, nobody told me there'd be days like these. Uh, it's the Lennon song. I, I, but it, we, I, so I went to my our rights people to see if we could get a cover made by, you know, someone Aussie, someone new, you know, to do a cover of that song. I think the price started at $100,000. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought... Yeah, nah. <laughs> yeah, nah. <laughs> That's what I love about it as well, because it, not only is it Yenna the most Australian uh, expression of all time, uh, but I could never imagine any any kind of podcast from NPR or the BBC having uh, a swear word in in its theme song. Yeah, we couldn't believe it when we got it through. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think the bosses know just yet. Uh, a, few, a few emails have been exchanged, but none of them, um, you know, I have it in writing that we got approval. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, is there any, anything else? That, I mean, you, you've given us a hell of a lot of uh, ideas to, to look out for there with um, the plane crash and, and the conspiracy theories and any, everything else. I mean, uh, uh, where are you going to go with season two if, if that's just season one? It's the the plan is really that this is um, you know I guess I guess we're thinking about this as even though we might be making it sort of ten episodes at a time really we want this to be a constant companion for people so we want you to know that you've sort of you've got a days like these episode pretty much in your feed most weeks of the year so we're just going to mm-hmm. have to keep evolving we're going to stay really strong to the story matrix and we're we're pretty brutal about that in terms of we do have a, we do have that kill rate built in. Um, it, it would be lovely if we could reflect, reflect the times of year while staying evergreen, I think. Does that make sense? Do you know, what, what am I trying to say, Ian? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I guess we're looking at, you know, season two comes out in January and that's another thing that there's rarely any, you know, big products coming out in the holiday season. Everyone mm-hmm. goes to sleep 
usually, right? So we've designed this to be you know, 40 weeks a year and you won't even notice the, the gaps in the, in the schedule because we'll fill those up with bonuses. Hopefully we've got some user-generated content yes. on the way as well that might might fill in those three-week gaps that we, we have. And so the summer season will be a kind of promoted, I guess, as a sort of road trip companion. You know, we're going to... By then yeah, we'll no, have 10 right. shows in the can and we'll, we'll knock out another you know, weekly shows from, from the second week of January um, to, to augment your, your road trips and your summer holiday wherever you can get to, you poor peeps of Melbourne. You know, you might be uh, <laughs> driving around the block, but who knows? <laughs> um, but, you know, we're, go, we're, we're really going to tilt it towards having the best bingeable feed in all of podcast land here, you know? We're really mm. hoping that that's our, that's our legacy. So, so uh, back to your point there, Rachel. Is it is it like uh, say how Die Hard isn't necessarily a Christmas movie? Exactly that. Yes, that is exactly <laughs> the reference. We were talking about that the other day, and how because I, I love a bit of Christmas, and we're like, okay, we want a Christmas Christmas episode, but how do we do it? We're like the Die Hard version. That's it, the Die Hard method. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so yeah, you did you did make a call out to the audience um, in, in the episodes that I've listened to. Uh, so, ha- have you gotten some really interesting um, stuff coming through? Are there some stories that uh, you just never would have you never would have been able to commission yourself? Yeah, and there's stuff. There's it's so the email address is shameless plug days like these at abc.au, and we genuinely want people's stories. We also did um, sort of we we got some interesting stuff through. I jumped up on the on the radio on overnights, you know, a couple of months ago, and did a call out, and as well as a lot of people asking me how to download a podcast, I got a couple of stories that have <laughs> that that have like you know been really incredible kind of testing around and fodder. So we do want people's stories to come in. There's this thing that Ali says about it, Peter, which is it's it's like the best story that you hear about a mate of a mate, and it is, and that's how a lot of the stories happen. It's kind of someone going, oh, you know what, I, I was my my, um, my partner's mum said this, or, you know, I heard this story, you know, literally at the pub in the States where you can still go to the pub. So, yeah, the, I think we're getting a bit of momentum in terms of stories pouring in. It's kind of terrifying too that you know we 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 think that the, if, if if we get what we ask for that could be terrifying to just yes. work out how, oh. how we deal with all that material but we will. But do email us. Yeah, we're hoping that you know there'll be kind of dozens of um, really short versions of the day like, days like this story. You know, it'll it'll be like every person's got one of these stories in their mm. kit bag, right? They they tell it at the dinner party or at the pub or at the, the family dinner and um. Yeah, we, we, we want really short versions of that, like one to two minute versions of that to put together in a kind of bonus special getting or, or to use in our socials and stuff like that. We'd love it to, to spread the, the, the kind of love, you know, of, of the days like these story um, because they're, they're the kind of things that we kind of live for in really difficult times, right? I mean, when we, when we hunted around for the things that really keep us going, um, it's kind of like, you know, music plus storytelling plus... Mm. Uh, poetry or something. I don't know. You know, there's not many other things that we're going to really need um, when the world's turning to shit. Mm. <laughs> it's so optimistic and so bleak. That is like Ian Walker 101. <laughs> <That's him. laughs> I'm going to be singing when the ship goes down. <laughs> I'll be in the lifeboat, mate. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. All right. Well, uh, I'll just, I'll still be in Melbourne. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank right. you so much. 
Uh, it's fine. It's fine. Look, the weather's nice. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it, I, I've really enjoyed it, and um, like I said, it, it, it just—it was one of those—it uh, was one of those shows that just felt like it had been around forever, um, which is uh, an incredible feat for for, an, for a new show, uh, and just also one that was like, why hasn't this been done before? And I, and I can't think of a, a better studio to pull it off than you guys. That is oh, so you. nice. Yeah, thanks. Oh, Peter. Thank you. My thanks again to Ian and Rachel, the producers of Days Like These. And look, I know at the end of every single episode I say that I really love that show, but there's a reason for that. I've only been choosing the shows that I really love to begin this season with uh, so that everyone's a winner, hopefully. Or at least uh, you can feel where I'm coming from. Either way, if you haven't checked out Days Like These, it really is a great Australian show. The ABC are doing amazing work in this space. And I will speak to you again on Friday. My thanks to Lauren Watson for designing the artwork. My thanks to James Smith for his help with the audio. And thank you to the good people at Acast for convincing me to do this show. Oh my God, I can't speak. My name is Peter Wells. I will speak to you Friday. Love you. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.